That's the point here of 1 Peter. Don't just survive. Yes, it's a hard world. We all agree with that, don't we? Man, times are hard. No doubt about that. How many of y'all know there's all kinds of issues and valleys and tragedies and trials, and in some places of the world, persecution for the faith, for the, for the faith. I remember 1995 being in Belarus. It was my first time to leave the country to go preach overseas, and I spent two weeks in Belarus and helped start a church there and things like that. I met this one pastor, this one pastor, tiny little pal, several kids. They really lived in like a two-bedroom little place. And here was a very faithful man. And, you know, the Iron Curtain had fallen just recently there. And, and here was a man that had been in a Soviet prison camp for preaching the gospel. And uh, he, uh, one day, finally, they convinced him he didn't want to do it. But one day, he went ahead and pulled his shirt up and showed me the scars on his back where he had been beaten for preaching the gospel. Well, you and I have not suffered like that. We, we, there's a level of suffering that we know nothing about. Is that right? We've never gotten in trouble for coming to church in that sense. No, we're we're blessed. We've never gone to jail, never gone to prison. We might someday. I I don't know where the future will take us. But the fact of the matter is, although we've never been persecuted, we live in a world of suffering. And Peter writes about that. The trial of your faith, he writes about. He writes about seasons of of manifold temptation, season of heaviness. And the whole point he's writing to us about it is all of us live in a world cursed by sin. And boy, how easy is it to get away from God? How easy is it to get a cold heart? How easy is it to get too busy? Or how easy is it just to go through the motions? And he writes to us to say to us, all right, let's have revival. Let's thrive. Let's thrive in this world of suffering. Let's really see God do great things. Let's really see the Lord work. Thriving is the key word. The, the, the two words you, you ought to think about when you read First Peter, the word suffering, it's all over First Peter. He talks over and over again about the sufferings of Christ, and he compares that to the fact that we might suffer as well because we're followers of Jesus Christ. That is part of living in a sin-cursed world. Don't misunderstand that. Suffering is normal. That's part of a world cursed by sin. Aren't you glad there's coming a day when there will be no more suffering because we'll be in the land fairer than day. Aren't you glad for that? So suffering's a key word here. But the other key word, every time you read 1 Peter, think this word, thriving. Think that word, God wants you to thrive. So how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, if I were preaching the whole book, I'd tell you, here's what you got to do. Number one, you got to know who God is. I'd, I'd preach on that, but I haven't in this revival. If I was preaching the whole book, I'd say, you know, you not only need to know who God is, you need to know what Jesus did for you. That's important. And what I preached to you last night is important. You got to grow. You got to grow. You got to grow. You got to keep on growing. Never stop growing. Keep advancing. Keep on growing. And remember, we learned really four things. I threw a fifth one in there at the end. I don't know if you caught it or not. But you got to grow in heart, and you got to grow in holiness, and you got to grow in honesty, and you got to grow in honor. And, and, and I didn't, I'm not going to preach on it, but here in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, you got to grow at home. You got to grow at home. He talks to wives and husbands about being heirs together and praying together and being right with one another. When you get to verse 8, he's going to change gears. He's been talking about growing. Now he's going to change gears, and you see that in verse 8 of chapter 3 with the word finally. Do you all see that word? Finally. Do you all see that word? The word is finally. Do you all see that word? All right, just making sure you're with me. Finally, he says, be ye all. We would say where I'm from, uh, all of you be. Y'all be. Y'all be. That's how we'd say it. Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love his brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. 
That idea of pitiful there means be full of pity and care for each other. Verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. It's not quite there yet, but it's on the way. A blessing's on the way if we obey what he's saying here. Blessing's on the way. Isn't that encouraging? A blessing's headed your way. Aren't you happy about that? Something's going to happen in the future is what he's saying. You're going to be blessed by God. And then he says in verse 10, for he that will love life. How many of y'all love life? How many of y'all love life? How many of y'all love life? How many of y'all want to love life? Do you want to love life? He that will, he says, he that will. If you love life, he says, he that will love life and see good days. How many of y'all want to see good days? You want to see good days? See what he says right here? It's good, isn't it? He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no God. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it uh, or, or pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, Neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, let's just stop right there for sake of time. Stop right there, and let's chew on this a moment. Last night, he said, you want to thrive? Here's what you got to do, church family. You got to grow. You got to grow. The word I'll use tonight is you got to sow. You got to sow spiritually. That's what he's talking about here. It's about something future. Y'all know this, don't you? That sowing and reaping is a principle in the Bible. How many of y'all knew that? Did y'all know that? The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. No doubt about that. That's a Bible truth, isn't it? How many of y'all experienced that in your life? Have you? You ever, you ever sowed a wrong seed and it came up and boy, caught you off guard? Did it ever happen to you? I like to help pastors start our service tonight reminding us about King David. You know what happened in King David's life? He sowed a lot of amazing seeds in his life, and boy, God really blessed him. And then he made some wrong choices, and man, the reaping of that was hard, wasn't it? Sowing and reaping is normal, but did you catch what Peter's trying to say to us here? What we got to do is live in such a way that we inherit a blessing. We got to live, we got to, we got to sow in such a way that we inherit a blessing, that we see God working in our lives and we see God use our life. Well, you got to sow spiritually. You got to sow spiritually. There's a time factor involved in that. Y'all know that, don't you? There's a time factor in sowing. When I was a kid, I grew up on a farm. How many of y'all like farming? Do you? I like farming. I told your kids in chapel today my favorite farming jokes. I'm, I'm a dad, y'all know, so I like dad jokes. Y'all like dad jokes? I told the kids today, what, what do you call a cow that just had a baby? Do y'all know? That's decaffeinated. Aren't y'all glad you came to church? Wasn't that worth it? Wasn't that worth it? And what do you call the cow that was knighted by the Queen of England? That's sirloin. <laughs> See, aren't these good? So I like farming. I grew up on a farm. I like farming. And one thing you learn on a farm is sowing and reaping is a Bible principle and a practical principle. Well, if you're going to have a harvest of corn, you got to sow corn. If you're going to have God's blessings at harvest time, you got to make all the sowing work. You got to put it in the ground. You got to, you got to disc the field and plow the field and plant the field and fertilize the field. It's got to be watered. You got to pray down the, the blessings of God on that field so you can get, get a good harvest. So the Bible says right here, hey, you want to love life and see good days and have my blessing? 
Well, of course I do. All right, he says, then you got to sow spiritually. And he lays out for us how we do that, at least several ways. Did you catch the one there? The, the first one is in verse 11. He says, you got to seek peace and pursue it. The word ensue means pursue it. You got to seek peace and pursue it. What's he mean right there? You know what you and I got to do if we're going to sow spiritually and have God's blessings in our life? We got to take steps to get along with people. Isn't that good news? Aren't y'all glad for that? How many of y'all ever find people annoying? Come on, nobody here but us. People ever annoy you? And sometimes people can just be downright difficult, can't they? But you want the blessings of God in your life? You got to sow peace and pursue it. You got you to seek peace and pursue it. And what he says right here is you got to guard your tongue, guard your tongue. Well, there's a great revival sermon, isn't it? Guard your tongue. Anybody here ever get in trouble with your tongue? You ever read through the Bible how many times the Bible talks about your tongue? Well, if you're going to have God's blessings in your life and thrive in a world like ours, you've got to guard your tongue. You've got to seek peace. You've got to, you've got to sow this in your life. Your, your tongue is a great gift from God and yet can be so damaging, can it? How, how many verses could you think of if I ask you to about the tongue? My goodness, the Bible's loaded with them. The Bible says things like this, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Are you a, are you a builder or you tear down with your tongue? It'll help your marriage. It'll help your marriage. If you'd be sweeter with your tongue, come on, say amen to that. We ought to be kind. We ought to be gracious. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another. We got to seek peace and it starts with our tongue. That's what the Bible's saying right here. Starts with your tongue, how you talk, how you treat people. You got to seek peace. Sow that in your life because that'll bring a great harvest and the blessings are amazing about that. I, I like how Solomon often in Proverbs mentions the tongue, doesn't he? He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's actually the book of Psalms. He says in Proverbs things like this. He says, the power of life and death is where? In the tongue. Y'all remember my granny, don't you? I've told y'all about my granny Young, haven't I? Granny Young was quite a woman. She's passed is how they'd say it where I'm from. She passed. Granny Young's quite a woman. She is a mountain woman. And I, I don't mean this to be mean. She is my grandmother. She is mean as the devil's third cousin. And that's the absolute truth. I'm telling you, she is a rough woman. She's a big woman. I'm, I'm not talking like the size of that piano, but close. And uh, she is just a big woman. Not that she is heavy. She could just whip any guy in this room. She could probably whip Brother Adrian. And uh, she, is a, she is quite a woman. And if she couldn't whip him, she would have shot him. She carried a pistol. And she's just a, she is a rough woman. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, my, I, I know some of you have heard me tell this. When I was a kid, Granny went to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law. I'm not even making that up. Can you all believe that? My Granny went to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law. Aren't y'all glad I'm saved? And aren't you, how many of y'all just want to stop a moment and praise God for your mother-in-law? Can I get a witness here tonight? Because at least I guess she's never shot at you. Is that fair? But you know, think about this. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. You can do a lot of damage. You can destroy a lot of peace. Church, family, you want to have God's blessings? Well, if you're going to thrive, you've got to guard this old tongue of ours. Be happy, Christians, and let it show up in your words. How I many of y'all know this? Anybody can gripe, can complain. Is that right or wrong? And anybody can have an opinion. Nothing wrong with having an opinion. Is that right? Nothing wrong with that at all. 
Nothing wrong with having an opinion. But, but don't be known for being a negative tear-downer. Don't be known for being a complainer. Don't be known for always being uptight and upset and bothered and on edge and frustrated. No, seek peace and pursue it. you got to sow that in your life. If you're going to thrive, be a happy Christian, let it show up in your words. Be a happy Christian, let it show up in your words. There's a lot to be bothered about. Say amen to that. But don't let that de- de- defeat you. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let that get you down. The world's falling apart, but you can still be a happy Christian. Let it show up in your words. He says that right here all over this passage. He says, be all, be all of you one, be, be, all, be all of one mind. Have compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be full of pity. Be courteous. Don't render evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you're thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. And he says in verse 10, if you'll love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. What's he talking about there? Take steps to get along with each other. Take steps to be happy Christians. Take steps to encourage each other. Take steps to build each other. Don't let the devil get you sour. Don't, don't, don't let your older years become colder years. Uh, let your older years be happy years where you just have the blessings of God. Just a happy Christian. It, it doesn't mean all is well. doesn't mean life isn't, isn't hard, but be happy. When I first got saved, Brother Arwood led me to Jesus. I was 15 years old. And right after I got saved, Brother Arwood was a great guy. He's only in his 20s and he worked in a factory and pastored this little country church and led me to Christ. And after I got saved, Brother Arwood said, uh, hey, uh, Brother Young, he said, if you're going to be a good Christian, you've got to read your Bible every day. So he said, set your alarm five minutes earlier than you have been and hit the floor, get in your Bible every morning so you can be a, a good Christian. So I started doing it. Every morning, I still do it. Every morning, open my Bible. Brother Arwood, it was his influence. And he said, you need to pray. Get on your knees and pray if you can. When I was a teenager, I'd get up and I'd read my Bible and then I'd kneel and I'd spend some time in prayer. He said, I should, so I did. So he said, you ought to go soul winning. I ought to go soul winning. So, all right, I'll go soul winning. And I remember he'd take me to soul winning every Tuesday night. We'd go out and knock on doors there in East Tennessee where I grew up. And, and knocking on doors takes a long time when you live in East Tennessee because people like to talk. You don't just go up the door and say, I'm from, you know, Cleveland Baptist Church and I want to invite you to our church. No, you got to go up and say, how y'all doing? And how's the garden? And how's the wife and youngins? You got to talk a little bit. That country folks want to talk. You don't just, if you run, they, they get upset about that. You got to just take, slow down, slow down. My Yankee wife loves living in the South because they just, boy, they, they just, you know, she'll, if she goes to the store, she go and, she'll text me and say, these people, these people. Because they want to talk. They want, and they're in no hurry. They're in no hurry. They'll, I mean, they'll get in a 55 mile an hour speed zone going 30. It'll help your spirituality. It'll draw you closer to the Lord. And uh, that's how it is. I got knock on doors. Brother Arwood, we'd talk to people and witness people and try to tell them about Jesus and invite them to church. Every night when we were done soul winning, he'd say, hey, uh, let's, uh, let's, go, let's, let's go visit Ms. So-and-so and encourage her. Before we're done tonight, let's go by there and encourage her. And we'd go by this house. I remember the first night I went in there, knocked on the door. And uh, this lady came to the door and he said, is, uh, can, can we see... Is she able to receive visitors? Oh, yeah, she, she was expecting you. I said, all right, good. He said, it's my friend Dave here. He just got saved. Took me down the hallway of this house into a bedroom. There was a lady in bed. And she was laying on the bed. She wasn't covered up. She was laying on the bed. And I'll never forget that lady. She's laying on that bed. Her hands are all twisted. Her hands are drawn up towards her chin. Her knees are all drawn up. She's just, just twisted and, 
and, and, and, and bless her heart, she couldn't feed herself. She couldn't take herself to the bathroom. She couldn't bathe herself. She couldn't turn herself over. She couldn't get out of bed. Brother Arwood said, let's go by there and encourage her. Let's go by there and encourage her. We walked in that room, and she was like, Brother Arwood was like, how you doing? I can't remember her name. I said, how you doing? He called her name. How you doing? And she said, oh, my goodness. She said, I've been laying here. Look out the window today. Boy, what a beautiful day. She said, I'm just telling you, the Lord is good. Man, I'm so blessed, she said. And I, I'm a 15-year-old newly converted kid. And I was like, this woman's nuts. Sir, are you kidding me? But he can't feed herself, can't take care of herself, can't turn herself over, and she's the happiest person I've met all day. She just is just, just praising the Lord and thanking the Lord. You, you know what I learned? We, did, we didn't go by there to encourage her. Brother Harwood went by there to be encouraged by her. You know what? We got to soul that in our life, church family. We got to speak up and praise the Lord and, and be happy Christians. You got to seek peace. Try to get along with each other and build each other and encourage each other and praise the Lord as a church body. God is good and he wants you to seek peace. Sow that in your life. This is good. Sow that. Notice what he says here. Notice what he says. How do you sow spiritually so you can thrive? Well, number one, you got to seek peace and pursue it. But look at verse 12. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Here's what you do if you're going to sow righteously and, and be blessed by God. You know this, don't you? Well, you got to pray. You, you got to pray. Are you not thankful for this? The Lord knows everything going on in your life. And here's what the Bible says. His ears are open to your praying. His ears are open to your praying. There's no reason to be discouraged, Christians. No reason to be defeated. God is real. Do y'all believe that or not? God is real. Y'all believe that, don't you? Sure he's real. God is real. And what does he say right here? Well, y'all to sow spiritually so you can be blessed, so you can thrive, so you can love life and see good days. Amen. That's what he says. Thrive. Well, how do you do that? You got to seek peace and pursue it, but you got to pray fervently. Pray in faith. Pray up a storm. Never give up on prayer. Prayer makes a difference. Believe in prayer. Here's what he says. Look at it there. His ears are open to their prayers. Chapter 4, verse 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. You know what the devil wants to do? Discourage you, frustrate you, irritate you, get you down. Did I say that right? You know what the devil wants to do? Discourage you, frustrate you, get you down. He wants your joy. He wants to steal your joy. He, he wants to attack you, and he's pretty good at it. I mean, you all know that he wants to attack you. In fact, in chapter 5, the Bible says at the end here, he, he, he gives these believers this warning. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion is walking about, seeking whom he may devour. How I many y'all know that's true? Do y'all know that's true? As certainly as God hears prayer, the devil's trying to destroy us, and isn't he so good at it? We get wayward, we get cold, we get down, we get frustrated, we get irritated, we give up on praying. The devil's trying to attack us. He always hates us having God's blessings in our life, and he'll do everything he can to get you down. Be sober, the Bible says. Be sober, be alert. The world's a mess but you can pray. Don't let the devil attack you. Don't let the devil defeat you. You got a God in heaven who is bigger than the enemy. Y'all believe that tonight? I have a, a golden retriever. I've always loved golden retrievers, and, and I'm tied. I, I would never buy one. 
And that's tight. I, I'm not going to buy a dog. You can get a dog for free if you work at it. And it's not going to buy a dog. And my dad, he wouldn't, have, you know, he wouldn't have been happy if he knew I bought a dog. So my first golden retriever was given to me in a revival meeting. Guy said to me one night, he said, hey, uh, Brother Young, we don't have any money for the offering. He said, uh, but we want to do something. You know, we want to give something. We just don't have anything to give right now. But he said, we got a brand new litter of, uh, of golden retriever puppies. He said, if we gave you one, would you take it as, an, as our offering? Can we give you a golden retriever puppy? And I'm a good husband. Y'all know what I mean by this, don't you? So I said, uh, I need to talk to my wife about that. So I said, sweetheart, the man in the church offered us a golden retriever puppy for free, the dog I've always wanted. And I said, uh, you know, if you don't think we ought to get it, I won't. And we had a little talk about it. You know how kids are. We had all our kids in the RV with us. When you try to have a, a serious conversation with your spouse, kids are all ears. Kids are like, what would you say? You, what, 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 what? I said, kids, there's a guy in the church offered us a golden retriever puppy, and, and we need to think about it because mommy may not want us to get it. And, uh, so we just need to think about it and pray about it. I'm being a little silly, but kids prayed about it. Oh, Lord Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, help us to get a puppy. And the guy gave us a puppy. And that puppy was with us 13 and a half years. I got another one now, and, and uh, it's, it's a newer one to us. But my, my older puppy was named Gracie. And Gracie, Gracie's been to Cleveland. She's been on your church property. And uh, she traveled with us. She was our outdoor golden retriever. She'd stay outside the RV. And she was a good dog. She'd, she'd try to kill everything that moved, though. If there's a raccoon on the property, she'd try to chase it down and send it to glory. And, and she was always in it. She loved groundhogs. Y'all, y'all Buckeyes know about groundhogs, don't you? She loved groundhogs. She tried. Down, we lived in Newark at that time, down here in Newark, Ohio. And there was a groundhog on the property there at the church where he parked our RV. And, and that groundhog was savvy. I'm telling you, groundhogs are savvy. That groundhog come out of its hole and go out there on the soccer field and take a few bites of grass and stand up and look around. Was alert. Sober. Vigilant. You look around, make sure there's no enemy. Take a few more bites, stand back up. My golden retriever wanted that groundhog so badly. My golden retriever, she'd see that groundhog out there, and she'd wait till that groundhog got down take a bite, and she'd take 10 or 15 steps towards it and hunker down like a statue. That groundhog stand up sober. Now it's being sober. Here, here's, here's the picture. And that groundhog look around. My dog would not move, not even switch its tail. A few moments later, that... That groundhog, take another bite. My dog, get closer. I watch this happen. I don't know how many times I saw that happen. After a few moments, that groundhog would sense dangers out there somewhere and make a beeline for the groundhog. My dog would explode, try to catch that thing. It always went down the hole and beat her to that hole. I saw that happen so many times. That groundhog was sober. That's the word here. Alert. On guard. We got an enemy. What's God's answer to the enemy that's trying to steal our joy and destroy our churches and hurt our family? What's the answer? Be sober and pray. Get serious. Look around. Be on guard. Be in prayer. Y'all, y'all follow that? One day, one day, one day, Gracie, my, my, my golden retriever, saw that groundhog. And I'll never forget what happened that day. The whole scenario, groundhog looking around, taking a bite, looking around, my dog getting closer, sitting like a statue. And that day when my dog exploded into, in, into her attempt to catch that groundhog, she didn't run to the groundhog. She ran to the hole. She caught that groundhog and the Lord called it home. 
That's the truth. She drugged that groundhog under my RV and ate it. There's something wrong with you if you're going to eat groundhog. Y'all with me on that? But she ate that groundhog. You know this, don't you, church family? You know why we need to have seasons of revival? Because the enemy's trying to kill us. The enemy wants to just get you discouraged and down and bitter, angry, or uptight or upset. He, he just wants you to, you know, you come on to church, but don't get too much. I mean, you know, don't get excited about people singing. I mean, come on. You know, get, go ahead and go to church, but, you know, take your kids to Christian school, but don't have a family altar. I mean, come on. But the enemy's just smooth. And here's what the Bible says. You've got to be sober under prayer. Watch under prayer. If, if I've I got to sow this in my life. What is this? I'm sowing. God, I, I need you. I, need, I want your blessings, and blessings are future, future benefits of serving God. So what's the method? I've got to seek peace and try to get along with people and be what ought to be, but I've got to pray. Church, do you pray? Do you have a prayer life? Do you, do you spend time with God? Do you have a family altar? You all know God answers prayer, don't you? So pray. He says here, right, the ears that are open to our prayers. He's reminding us, sow this in your life. You can have my blessings. You can see good days. You, you, can, you can avoid evil. You can find peace if you'll seek me, God says, if you'll pray. And in verse uh, 7 of chapter 4, the end of all things is at hand. How many of y'all know? We're, we're getting, we got to be getting close to the end. So what he says here is get so serious about this. Get serious about this. Get serious about this. Get to praying again. Renew your prayer life and start a prayer life and pray in faith and keep on praying. How long do we have? I don't know. But if your family's not yet saved, somebody ought to be praying for your family and it ought to be you. And if your, your, your neighbors aren't saved, you got to pray for your neighbors because we're getting close to the end. We don't know how much time we have. Pray, church family. That's the key to thriving spiritually. you got to sow that in your life. Look, there's two more. Do I have time for two more? I think I do. There's two more. Number one, you got to seek peace and ensue evil. If you see that, say amen. And number two, you got to pray. Do you all see that in the text? And look at verse 15. Here's what you got to do. Sow this in your life. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What in the world does that mean? I don't know how many times I've read this verse. And I always zeroed in on the next part. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. But before he says that, he says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. He's talking about sowing spiritually so I can thrive. And he says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What's that mean anyway? So I uh, did a little research, and my favorite explanation came from Matthew Henry. Can I read it to you? Matthew Henry says this. We sanctify the Lord God in our hearts when we with sincerity and fervency adore him. When our thoughts of him are full of awe and reverence. When we, we rely upon his power. When we trust to his faithfulness. When we submit to his wisdom. When we imitate his holiness. When, he give him the, when we give to him the glory due to his most illustrious perfection. We sanctify God before others when our deportment is such as invites and encourages others to glorify and honor him. Matthew Henry said, both are required. What's it, what, what, what's it, what, how can I just simplify it down to a simple statement or two? Sanctify the Lord God in your heart means 
Well, well, be as close to God as you can. Get as right with God as you can. Be as far in for God as you can. Sanctify the Lord God. Get all in for God. Get all in for God. Get all in for God. Make sure He's first in your life. And, and just, just, just go all in for God. Go all in for God. Did you know that any believer who will sow that in your life, get all in for God. Did you know any believer that does that will have the blessings of God in their life? Do you know that's true? You get all in for God, you'll have the blessings of God in your life. And how many of y'all know, sometimes as Americans, we mess up the blessings of God, don't we? We think, you know what, if God, some preachers on TV will tell you, well, no, you know what, if you have God's blessings in your life, this will be what your house will look like. This is the kind of car you'll drive. This is how much money you'll be worth. How many of y'all know that's not what the Bible teaches when it talks about blessings? Those are part of the blessings of God many times in our lives. How many of y'all have a nice car, do you? Well, at least one of you, praise the Lord. Do y'all have nice cars or not, do you? So that's a blessing, isn't it? Y'all say that's a blessing, isn't it? And how many of y'all have a nice house to live in, do you? You'll say that's a blessing. How many of y'all have pretty nice clothes to wear, do you? How, much, how many of y'all have more food than you ought to eat? Come on, say amen to me. Aren't we blessed? So all that's part of God's blessings. But see, the blessings of God can be really different than that. And I ought to sow in my life, sanctify the Lord God, sow that in your life. Why? So I can have God's blessings. So I can just know the Lord and walk in His power, and His presence. See his goodness. Bethany and I have been married 30 years now. We just celebrated 30 years. And, uh, man, I'm just telling you, what a ride, what a joy, what a blessing. We've been able to serve the Lord for 30 years. Has it been easy? No. Most of you know we have a couple little boys in heaven. We wanted 10 children, at least I did. I'd have taken 10 in a heartbeat. More than one way to grow a church. If everybody in the church had 10 kids, that'd be quite a church, wouldn't it? I, I wouldn't know for that reason. I just love being a daddy. Nothing. I just love raising a family. See, I'm not telling you that you serve God all, you don't have to deal with his sufferings. That's the point of 1 Peter. You, you live in a world of suffering. There's death, trials, tragedies, disease, problems, issues. Nothing is perfect. But even in the valley, God is good. Even in the darkness, the light of Christ can encourage your heart. Are y'all with me or not? Blessings show up in a lot of forms. Beth and I, we're way down the road now, way down the road now. Well, what a blessing, what a blessing that my Abby, my Abby married David. What a, what a blessing to us. A good guy, he's a good guy. He's got a great name. He's a good guy. David's a good guy. I read in the Bible that King David was handsome. Y'all read that in the Bible? with all of a goodly appearance, goodly to look to. How I many y'all know that? Most Davids are. Y'all know that? That's in the Bible. See, what a blessing that God let Abby marry David. What a blessing. Well, the future is still ahead of them. Lot, lot, lot down the road can happen. You know that, right? What a blessing for me and Bethany. Joshua met Bethany. They're married. Got a little granddaughter out there in California. And Josh is serving the Lord. Bethany. Well, what a blessing, huh? See, the Bible says, you know, you sanctify the Lord God. All you young parents in the room tonight, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Get all in for God. It pays off. It's not talking about perfection. It's not talking about easy. It doesn't mean you won't have troubles and trials. It just means no matter what comes into your life, God will be there. God will take care of you. 
God will lead you. God will guide you. God will protect you. And in the midst of it, he'll just, he'll just pour out his goodness in your life from time to time. And you'll find yourself going, wow. Woo, look what God did. Man, look what God, wow, look what God did for, look at what God did. Just over and over again. That's my God. Y'all know him. That's my God. His blessings are worth having. So you got to sow spiritually. You got to sow spiritually. You got to seek peace and ensue it. Sow that, sow that in your life. You got to pray up a storm. Sow that in your life. You got to sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Sow that in your life. There's one more. What, 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 what I got to do to have God's blessing so I can thrive? Sow spiritually. And the fourth one is right there in verse 15. Number one. Uh, in verse 15, is that sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. But number two in verse 15, be ready. Be ready always, ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, of the hope that is within you. You thought about that lately? How many of y'all have hope? You know that word? It means confidence. How many of y'all believe God is real? You have confidence in that? How many of y'all believe you're on your way to heaven? You have confidence in that? Has God changed your life? Talk to me. Has God changed your life? Do you have the peace of God and the love of God and the joy of God? Are you blessed up one side and down the other? Hasn't God been so good to you? You can't wait to get to heaven. Are y'all with me on that? There's hope. See, that's, that word means confidence. I'm a child of God and I have great confidence that my God is real and my God is alive and my God works. And the Bible says, church family, you want to thrive? Sow this in your life. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Always. Ready always to give an answer about that hope that is with you. When somebody asks you about it, be ready to tell them about it. When somebody asks you about it, be ready to tell them what God's done in your life. What an amazing thing to sow in our lives. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever get over what God's done for you. That's the hope. But don't ever get over talking to others about it. Tell somebody about Jesus. Be ready. Be ready. Start out by remembering what Christ has done for you. Just start there. Start by remembering the hope. Remember what Christ has done for you. He describes it beautifully in verse 18 of chapter 3. You read that lately? He describes what Christ has done for us beautifully in verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Hey, uh, hey Yondell, would you help me, buddy? Would you help me? Come on down here, buddy. Here's my chapel, buddy. And, and Isaac, Isaac, come on down here, buddy. I need two guys to help me. Come on, Yondell. Y'all know Yondell? Come on down here, buddy, and help me. And this has been my chapel buddy all week. He's, he's been my helper. But Isaac, you come on down and help me as well. Yondell, you stand over here, would you? And uh, right on the edge of that carpet right there. And you stand over here, Isaac, would you? And Isaac, got good news for you. Got good news. You get to represent God the Father, all right? And so who's this right here? Represent? And right here's John Dale. You know what he gets to represent? All of us. Bunch of sinners like us. Right here. All right? And I'm going to represent Jesus. Sorry. You know what the Bible says, right? It's a beautiful text. Chew on this text just a moment. The Bible says be ready to talk about this. Be ready to talk about this. Be ready to talk about this. That, that Christ suffered for our sins. The just one for the unjust one. The one who was without sin for the wicked sinner. Y'all see this picture? Think about God. What do you know about God? I, do you know God is holy? Do you believe that? It's true. God is holy. You know what that means? It means you can't go to heaven. God is so pure. God is so holy. God is separated from sin. He is absolutely holy. 
And the holiness of God, Yandel, the holiness of God says, you're a sinner. There's not a chance in the world that you can get to heaven. You can't do it, and God won't let you there because God is holy. How many of y'all believe that? Do you know that's true? Do you know God is not just holy, Isaac? Did you know God is just? You know that word? What it means is that God judges perfectly. Because he's holy, watch this. Because he's holy, you can't go to heaven. I'm illustrating verse 18. Because he's holy, you can't go to heaven. Because he's just, you have to go to hell. I don't say that flippantly. Because God is just, the Bible says, it is appointed and a man wants to die. And after death, the what? The judgment. And Jesus said, don't fear somebody that can hurt your body. Fear God because God has the ability to separate us from him in the place called hell. The Bible says where the fire is never quenched, where the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Well, that's a serious matter, wouldn't you say, son? That's a serious matter, wouldn't you say? God is holy. You can't go to heaven. Well, God is just. You're going to be judged for your sins, and you had to be separated from God in hell. Can I just, can I just ask you, how many of y'all praise God tonight that God's not just holy and not just just, but he's also love? Don't you thank God for that? God so loved the world that he what, church family? Gave his only begotten son. Here's how Peter describes it in verse 18. Christ suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. What did Jesus do for you 2,000 years ago? Came into this world, sinner for everybody in the world is a sinner. And Jesus was sent by God to this world to die for our sins. The just one died for the one who was not just. The sinless one died for the one who's a sinner. Jesus died for our sins and he was buried. And you all praise God for this, don't you? He arose again from the dead the third day. Don't you thank God for that? Here's the gospel. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he, was, he, he, he rose from the dead the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a sinner. You can't go to heaven because God is holy. And you're a sinner and you got to go to hell because God is just. But he's also love. Isn't that good news? And so Jesus died for your sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. Why? The Bible says right here. So he could bring us to God. Now, now do this right here, all right? Turn, turn away from, from God. Isn't this how we are? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Remember when you were like this? Maybe this is you tonight. Why? You're not going to heaven because you've never been born again, never been saved. Why? You can't go to heaven because you're a sinner and you've got to face the judgment of God if you die this way. It's serious business. Sinner's going away from God. He can get baptized, but he's still a sinner because that won't get you to God. He can revere the Virgin Mary, and there's nothing wrong with revering the Virgin Mary. That's the mother of Jesus Christ. The Virgin Mary that was the mother of Jesus Christ. You can revere the Virgin Mary, but she can't get you to God. You can have respect for a pope or a priest or a, a, a preacher or an evangelist, but they can't get you to God. There's only one person that can get you to God. And that's a Savior named Jesus because he's the only one who ever died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. So right here's John Dale. If he wants to go to heaven, he can get baptized. But look at this. He's still a sinner on the road to hell. Well, he can go to church, and he should because going to church is good for anybody, but it won't get him to God because he's still a sinner. Only one way to change that, and that's for a sinner like me and you 
to turn to Jesus Christ. The Bible calls that faith. If Yandel is willing to turn to Jesus Christ, who died for his sins and was buried and was raised from the dead, if he turns to Jesus Christ, what does Jesus do? Well, number one, he washes away his sins. How many of y'all believe that? He says, this guy's no longer a sinner. He is clean through the power of my blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Y'all believe that, don't you? He can do that. Jesus can do that for you. Take away your sin. And here's what else Jesus, because he was raised from the dead, he not only takes away your sin, he gives you spiritual life, eternal life, everlasting life. Life. He gives him, here's a dead sinner, but he comes to Christ because Jesus died. He washes away his sins. He declares you to be as righteous as he is. And, and he gives you spiritual life. And what the Bible says right here is he brings you to God. Isn't this beautiful? And God says, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. This is, God could say this, couldn't he? I can't say this guy's a sinner. Well, God is so holy, he has a right to say that because I don't even know Yondell, but I bet you're not real holy. Because none of us are. God's the one who's perfectly holy. Y'all follow this? And I bet you're a sinner, aren't you? All of us are sinners. So God says, you can't come to heaven. You got to go to hell. But our Savior, our advocate, our Savior that died, was buried, and was raised from the dead, says to God the Father on our behalf, Father, I just washed away his sins in the power of my blood, and I just gave him eternal life. He didn't have it and can't get it on his own, but I just gave it to him. And on that basis, you know what God the Father does? On that basis, God the Father welcomes him into the family of God. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that absolutely beautiful? That's what Peter's saying right here. That's what Peter's saying right there. That's what Peter's saying. I gave this illustration last week, and, and the guy said something behind me. I said something behind me, and I, I simmered down. I said, this is my sermon. And I said to the one who was representing God, I said, what'd you say? What'd you say to him? I heard you say something. He said, I, I said to him, I said, get, get off of me, you filthy sinner. <laughs> well, that's a bad way to illustrate that, isn't it? I said, don't you do that again, because that's not the illustration. I'm telling you, dear friend, there's a God in heaven, and he's as real as I am, and he's as real as the person seated next to you and behind you and in front of you, and he's a holy God, and he's a just God. But he loves sinners so much that Jesus died for sinners and was buried and was raised from the dead. And anybody, aren't you glad it's anybody? Anybody, anybody, anybody who'll turn to Christ, believe on Christ, receive Christ, be born again, be born again. You got to have a spiritual birthday, be born again. Anybody, he'll wash away your sins, declare you to be righteous. He will absolutely do it. He'll bring you to God the Father, and you'll be on your way to heaven, not because you're good, not, not because you're a church member, not because you're a Baptist, not because you got baptized, but because Jesus Christ did for you what you can't do for yourself. How many of y'all agree that's our hope? How long has it been since you told somebody about that? How long has it been since you really went out of your way to think about somebody that needs Christ? Guys, I went to a public school with kids who were saved, and they never told me about Jesus. I never did. I don't know why. Maybe I was intimidating. Do I intimidate you? No. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I don't know why they did. I, I wish they had. I, I don't know why they did. But they did. They did not tell me about Jesus. But Brother Arwood did. He was ready to give an answer about the hope that was in him. He was ready. How many times do people talk to you? Walk into Walmart. I says, hello, welcome to Walmart. Maybe it's time to start up a conversation. How you doing, buddy? We, we got to talk to people. We got, we got to start talking. Be ready always. You know what? It'd help us to thrive if we do it. Sow that in your life. You say, well, I've witnessed to that guy so many times. He, 
I, I went to one of my neighbors the other day and drove up in his yard. And I, well, it was probably six months ago or seven months ago now. It was back at Christmas time. Drove up in his yard and I said to him, I said, hey, should I just stop coming over here and telling you about Jesus? And, and he caught me off guard. He turned around and set his beer can down. He turned back around and he said, whatever gave you that idea? Just like that. Whatever gave you that idea? He said, well, I've been talking to you for like, you know, 10 years. You haven't come to church one time. You haven't gotten saved yet. I just thought maybe I ought to stop. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, let me tell you something. That's how he talked to me. Let me tell you something. I know I'm a sinner, and I know I'm going to hell, and I know I need to get saved. And when I decide to, I'm coming to your church, okay? And while I was there, I was like, well, how about Sunday? I mean, let's just jump in. Why, he's still not saved. But our youth pastor told me the other day, that his son just recently got saved. I feel like God's knocking at a door. He needs hope, doesn't he? There's a lot of questions he probably needs answered, doesn't he? So be ready. You got to sow this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Are you sowing spiritually? You can have a seat, guys. Are you sowing spiritually? It's the only way to thrive. Are, 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 you, are you seeking peace? Are you right with other people? Are you a happy Christian seeking peace and having the joy of the Lord in your life? Guarding your tongue? Are you thriving? Do you have a prayer life? Are you thriving? It's, these are verses that are loaded. There are not many other, but they're loaded. Are you thriving? Are you as right with God as it's possible to be? Sanctifying the Lord God in your heart? Are you much of a soul winner at all? You don't have to do it my way, and I don't have to do it your way. But all of us ought to be ready to make a difference in other people's lives.